internet no- the internet loves them some Keanu Reeves right now. Yeah, apparently he was in something. Did you, yeah. see, did you see the new John Wick? Uh, no, I, I know I, people tell, tell me to do that. Uh, I mean, did, did you like the first two John Wick? I didn't see those, so. Oh, they're a good film series. Yeah. They're they're like great action movies. Are we rolling? Welcome to the XYZ Podcast, where we talk about entertainment and the creative process. <laughs> My name's Nico, I'm the Y. My name is Zach. I'm the Z. Uh, we, today's Axe Factor is uh, not a person, but the hollow crown, Henry the Fourth, Part One. Um, leave in all that stuff about Keanu Reeves and John Wick. Yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave it in. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, comment, subscribe if you're new to us. I'll be sure to remind you later, too. But <laughs> like, yeah, subscribe. Uh, rate us five stars, even if you hated this episode. I don't know. You won't hate this episode. I don't know. Listen to this episode in, in I don't know, and Shakespeare. Got, yeah. Think about Shakespeare. Yeah. So first, uh, I guess we could, we could, uh, we started with some Game of Thrones talk, and so you wanted to mention. Oh, I didn't, I don't know if it's, imp- like, like, we don't have to like, talk about it on the pod, I don't know. We just talk, yeah. Just I, talk I've just been bit. rereading the books yeah. uh, for the first time since, I think, before I watched the TV show. Yeah. And it's just, like, making me realize that. I just forgot so much of the stuff that they, like, left out in the TV show. Yeah. Just because, like, my brain... Even when I was reading it, I think, like, it didn't register it the first time as much. And now yeah. it's registering it more. Yep. It's just, like, cool details and, like, the way they are, are always telling themselves stories. And all these things that, like, they they butchered Dorn in the TV show. Right, Dorn is so cool. Yeah. And, and, first of all, they're still not even at... They've only just started introducing a lot of the Dornish stuff in the yeah. book. Like... Not even majorly. Oberyn Martell just made literally his first appearance. Yeah. Uh, but that's not even the part that I'm thinking of. I'm thinking about the Dane family. Okay. Do you know who the House Dane is? No, I think you've mentioned them before, but I don't I don't remember anything about them. So House Dane... So when he goes to the Tower of Joy, yeah. Ned Stark, be yeah. 20 years earlier, yeah. 15 I think in the book, whatever, uh, goes to the House of Joy to save his uh, sister, and there's like three Kingsguard. Kingsguard yeah. And one of those Kingsguard... I think he's like the the hot shot. The there's two that are scary, and one is Gerald H- Hightower, uh, and then there's one who's Arthur Dane, the Arthur Sword of Warning. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I think he's yeah, and his whole deal is that he's really good at um, uh, swordsmanship and shit. Yeah. Uh, and I think like he and Ned have a lot of respect for each other, and if they were on the opposite side, if they were, it's it's only that they're on the opposite side in this war. Yeah, and they have to you know, honor and all that shit that Ned cares about. Yeah. Um, but I think it was like, so, so in the books, it's very clear. Ned used to be in love with his sister. Okay. With not, not his sister, like Leanna Stark, like, but, this but is not the, a Lannister. The, 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 yeah, yeah. He yeah, used to be in love with a Shara, uh, a Shara Dane, or okay, at least yeah, they, yeah. they may have had a thing. Uh, so there's this character, God, this is so tangential. Cause this is the thing about game, the, a Song of Ice and Fire specifically is it's just so many so threats. Tangent. Yeah, okay. Uh, so basically, there's this character, Lord Edric Dane. Yeah. He's a 12-year-old boy. Yeah. And he hangs out with the Brotherhood without banners. You know, yeah. Barrick and Darien, Thor's yeah. Um Man, I'm going real... Like, like I feel like anybody who's listening to this for Shakespeare is like, look, I want the nonsense names, but I don't want the Game of Thrones nonsense names. <laughs> uh, no, so, okay, let me just, uh, we'll just, we'll wrap it up a little bit here. So I'll, t- I'll tell a couple of comments. There was one specific thing that, um, that was brought up. My friends brought up. We actually went to visit, uh, we actually got on, we actually went on set. 
What? Uh, yeah, yeah. Where? Like a long time ago, 2014 in Croatia. Okay. Oh, nice. Yeah. You went to King's Landing? Yeah, not King's Landing. Split, but they. Um, so that was oh. that, that was standing in for I think Marine at the time because I this we saw the filming of a specific scene. It was really small. It was um, what was the guy's name? The um, Dario Dario Naharis. Yeah. The the second incarnation leading Grey Worm to a uh, to where a Sons of the Harpy is hiding. Okay. Right? And um, and he's just like, well, you guys are too visible. My sons of the harpy, I mean, my uh, my my second sons, they blend in. They drink, they gamble, blah blah. They listen. So and it was fun. It was kind of interesting because they he was also like getting in character um, off camera, but we could we could see him. Yeah. And he's like, my second sons are badasses. They're so fucking badass. I'm like, that, that's hilarious. That's great. Yeah. And so we saw a filming of that scene. It's very, again, very that's, small. That's amazing. Yeah. Why have you never told me this? I, I don't know. I, I only just thought, like, because of context, right? And then, um, actually, so they finished the scene, and, you know, every, we, we left, and then, um, but they cleaned up, right? Yeah. And in 15 minutes, you could not tell that they'd been there. Those are some pros. That, I was, like, amazed at how fast they cleaned up. Was, I mean, I know... Speaking of Dorne, there's that whole... So one of the reasons the Dorne scene sucked of yeah. the show is they... They the, couldn't do anything with the sets. Because yeah, they, were, they had it for like a week. Because so they were like, They had to do everything really rushed and quickly. Right. So, it, I mean... Yeah, because they were UNESCO heritage, world heritage oh, sites. Oh, yeah. okay, and yeah. That was part of... That was the reason. They should have just shot somewhere where they actually had time to yeah. shoot shit. Uh, anyway. But, <laughs> yeah, but we also did visit Dubrovnik, which is which does look like the original... Like the early season of King's Landing. Okay. Yeah. Because I know they that's where they've done some King's Landing yeah. stuff. Is, it's very... It very much looks like it. You just see the pictures online. It's yeah. like that... Looks Looks like the early like seasons King's Landing. Every other post on R slash Game of Thrones or whatever is just like a picture of a redditor who's just like, "Hey, look, I was at King's Landing today and they're yeah. on vacation in Croatia." Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. And so, okay, the actual thing that that reminded me of was that my friends from that trip they they were talking about Game of Thrones and there was something about, um, uh, I think it was Master Pycel, the um, the yeah. the the King's Landing Maester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. The Grandmaster. Grandmaster yeah, yeah, yeah. myself. Yeah. yeah. No, where I he, know who you're talking where about. Where he's uh he's like old and sickly and like kinda kinda just like incompetent and like bumbling. Well he's pretending show. to be that. Yeah, yeah. Like where uh, in the but, books there's no, a scene, there's even a scene in the TV show. You're saying that in the books that he, he There's there's to. a specific scene where like Tywin confronts him and then he like straightens up apparently. Yeah. Oh well yeah. The, there's a scene uh in the TV show uh where he's like having sex with a prostitute. Yeah. And then as soon as uh, she leaves, you see him got you you see him kinda like jump out and like do a jumping jack oh, or like, whatever. He like, yeah, he stretches. And then you bit. see him like put on his robe and then just stoop over very deliberately. Which uh which oh, like was a cool bit of acting from that uh wow. from Julian whatever his name is. Yeah, so, so that's yeah, Julian my, Glover. That's I, my friends. Like, I guess they um, they referenced the Tywin scene a lot more because they felt like it was. More, I guess they they didn't even reference that part. I'm trying to remember this Tywin scene because there's no scene in the books that would be just Tywin or Pycelle because neither is a. That's them too, right? Yeah, but neither is a point of view character, so you'd oh, never okay. be with just. I one. see. That's you'd never be with just those two. Okay, yeah, yeah, I don't know. So maybe it's that's something to look out for. Yeah. Um, the other thing, okay, so the other thing is actually. To the point of being like Game of Thrones having so many different threads, I've been like, uh, like I've just been kind of YouTubing random like World War II history channels re recently, right? Yeah. And like, what you realize, and also reading some of the Wikipedia, and what you realize is that like 
in, in, in human history, they're just like crazy amounts of threads. Like think like when you when you were talking about all the crazy shit that happens in comic books, right? Yeah. I mean, so the actual craziness isn't as crazy, but the complexity is like as much or more in like actual human events. Yeah. Well, no, it's because it's all these things are happening simultaneously. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's just because this set of conditions allows for X to happen. Yeah. And I mean, we'll get into this with the Shakespeare oh, history. Sure. Oh, for sure. Because I was trying to figure out what the fuck the historical context was a little bit. Oh, yeah, because that's uh, really interesting too. Right, right, right. Yeah, and like, like that's that's legitimately like, oh, that's why, and that's why, like, you can enjoy Game of Thrones without knowing every little bit of lore because, of course. There's so for this is what George R. R. Martin is good at is yeah. creating this world where that is like our real histories yep. where there are eight million things happening at yep. once. Yep. And each of those eight million things contributes to the one main thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and that's why like like I still uh I still have like a blank spot in, in in my head for a lot of the Westerosi history that allowed for some of the shit to happen, like the Dance of Dragons and shit. Yeah. Um I know that those are things, but I don't know the complexity of that. And that's a similar way to how I might feel about, say, World War II, where I don't miss, like, I know what D-Day is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, like, the Battle of Dunkirk or the Battle of Midway, but, like, yeah. I don't know all the battles. Yeah, and, of course, that's obviously, like, also from uh, an American perspective, which we'll get into with, exactly. with Shakespeare, too. Oh, because yeah. Because also, that's from the English perspective. Like, I haven't got, like, I, I've seen some, I've seen the productions, but I haven't seen the Hollow Crown versions of these. Yeah. But when you get to, well, for sure, Henry V. Wait, was, was this your first time seeing a Hollow Crown? No, no, I'd seen four part, four parts. One, I mean, the first four, okay. I'd seen them before. But yeah. there's also a second four, which is Cumberbatch and other people. Okay, and yeah. that's like I Henry, saw that they, there was a second season. Yeah, that's like Henry the Sixth uh, parts. Maybe I don't remember which ones, but Henry the Sixth, that trilogy, and Richard the Third. So that Richard the Third is the end point of this whole thing. But Richard, ah, the, so that Henry is sandwiched by yeah, sandwiched by, by Richard Richard's Brett. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Henry VI series and the Richard III series covers like the Wars of the Roses, actually. Okay. So that actually also does tie into the Game of Thrones. But the interesting thing is actually that they're definitely written from the English point of view because like it's definitely English propaganda. Like yeah. I've seen again, I I've seen the uh, actually a Chicago Shakespeare production of those, and it's <laughs> and I think I've seen I've watched some of them online of a different production that was that was in, that was made in England um, and they are <laughs> the portrayal of Joan, Joan of Arc specifically is like I'm like that's, that's English propaganda <laughs> mm, yeah. so she's in this yeah in the, yeah yeah in the, in I the did sixes. not know Shakespeare wrote Joan of Arc or like or like about, a, yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah um, I, I know she's a real person not created by Shakespeare. <laughs> I want to make that clear. I just didn't realize she showed up in one of his historical plays. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think Henry VI Part 1 specifically, maybe Part 2. Okay. Um, yeah, so, that, yeah, they're very much English prop. Like, if you, when you get to Henry V, you'll be like, hmm, this could be, this could definitely be propaganda. <laughs> I mean, it kind of like he was often commissioned by the queen. To, yeah, of course. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. To, so that that makes sense that you want to make, of course, the people in power in England, and you want to make your audience, especially yeah, exactly. yeah. in that time of day where you know there's really no sort of nuance. People aren't thinking about yeah, they're not researching really. their sources. Right. They're not right. even thinking about their sources. Right. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's also like a very small seed of that buried in Macbeth. Which is the whole Banquo storyline? I don't know if you are familiar. I I know the broad strokes of Macbeth. I've seen The Lion King. I've seen 
uh, that Simpsons episode where the Lion they... King is Hamlet. <laughs> oh, we're talking about Macbeth. You're oh yeah. Right. Okay, so let me, uh, let me just let me just uh, let me. Uh, just... That's why I just said yeah. Uh, so there's there's this one very specific character that is like whose descendants are um, apparently are related to the current aristocracy in Britain at the time Shakespeare was writing, and so he adds a little. He like makes that storyline. He spells it out essentially to like have that connection. Okay. Yeah. Oh, oh, speaking of, like, I, I know you haven't seen it, but there's, a, I mean, like, uh, Macbeth is obviously about Scotland, right? Yeah. So, so. Macbeth, I, I was thinking of Hamlet earlier. I very vaguely know Macbeth. Uh, that one I don't know so well. Yeah, no, that's fair. But, like, uh, it's about Scotland, and, like, part of it is that, like, England does or doesn't conquer Scotland or, like, helps to put somebody on the throne, right? And so I, there's, a, there's a production of, uh, I think it's just called, it's just called Dunsinane. Uh, that Chicago Shakespeare put on and I went to see, it was like, it's the aftermath of Macbeth, but like told from, I guess, more of a neutral or, or potentially a less biased viewpoint. Yeah. And it's, it's got, it's got a lot of occupation vibes. It's really interesting. It very like much reminded me of kind of like this, like Iraq, basically the like American occupation of Iraq. Well, I mean, Scotland, uh, Ireland and, and Wales were all, I mean, they were fucked over by the English a lot. Oh, yeah. And, like, yeah. it was very, like, I don't know, even watching this when they, like, show up with the Welsh rebels. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it the, it's very much written from the perspective of, oh, these are, you know, the unsympathetic Welsh. It's not like, right. like, like, there's something about, like, the way Shakespeare wrote them, and I feel like that, that makes them feel... I don't know, beastly compared oh, to yeah, like you also you you'll also see that in Henry V too. Yeah, there's a, there's a specific Welsh character, and he's basically played for comedy. Um, <laughs> and it's like yeah, that's that's a little racist. <laughs> um, anyway, so yeah, let's uh, let's dive into Henry IV Part One. So we um, I guess before we recorded this episode, we said we were you you mentioned that you were interested or maybe i convinced you that to be interested in i mean i so here's my thing is i like shakespeare uh the idea of shakespeare yeah. i haven't really interacted with any sort of shakespearean material or language or play or whatever yeah. in years yeah. is now what i'm realizing uh i i could not tell you the last time i used to go to these um uh renfests renaissance festival yeah, there, yeah. there was one in maryland that's really good in fact the fun fact, the Maryland state sport is jousting. Oh, yeah? Yeah, and I think it's because of that Renaissance Festival where they joust. That's for real. <laughs> it's a, it's the official state sport. I mean, wow. if you know Maryland, the state sport should be lacrosse. I'm, yeah. They're weirdly obsessed with lacrosse to, like, the nth degree there. Yeah, it's, yeah, like, uh, lacrosse is an interesting thing. Yeah, it's it's very social, socioeconomic, for sure. Yeah. And it makes, it makes sense. For, for, like, Maryland, Virginia, it would make sense to be lacrosse. As somebody who's from that area, look, my high school won the Virginia State Championship in lacrosse, I think, multiple times while I was there. <laughs> yeah. No big deal. Um, anyways, back to the Shakespeare part yeah. of that, though, is they do all these, like, Shakespeare plays. Yeah. Like, that was the most fun part of going to the Renaissance yeah. Festival, was checking out what was going on on the stages. Yeah. Uh, and it was, mo like, some of the most fun stuff was, it, I mean, it was, it was very brief versions of Shakespeare. And obviously, like, that's what they did in the Hall of Crown a little bit, yeah. is that they definitely edited a little bit. Yeah, for sure it's much cut. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, well, I mean, that's something interesting about Shakespeare is you can often cut the plays, and sometimes that'll de-emphasize or emphasize 
yeah. you know, what the director of that particular production wants. Wants, yeah, yeah, yeah and, and sure. what they want the story to be about. And that's something that, like, is interesting in this production. Like, even just watching it in, in this version, you could you could kind of tell, like, certain things. That they, cut, yeah. um, the big thing that I... Emphasize. The big thing that I remember being cut is... Um, is Percy spoilers Percy's uh, death speech? I remember there's I, there's a series online. I don't know if you were still able to find it, but I, I did manage to download from YouTube, which is like uh, playing Shakespeare. It's RSC. It's mm-hmm. John Barton. It's got all the old like uh, the fa- like the now A list actors that are that that used to just be in RSC, like Patrick Stewart, Ian McKellen when they were younger, Judy Dench. Uh, I don't know. If, I can't really name any others off the top of my head. And and their and their castmates at the time and in general just explained stuff about it and they did that the um the Harry uh, Harry Percy dying scene and I think it was much longer yeah yeah well I was like chatting with you a little bit about this online last night after I watched it but things I had read were talking about how Harry Percy was the more desirable yeah at at one point in time yeah that was Ah. a more and I could tell in watching this one I mean. It felt like it was really much the. It was really. I was joking about it being the Falstaff yeah, uh, play, Falstaff, but it's yeah. really. It's more because Falstaff is very much in all of the Hal scenes, and it's yeah. very much a Prince. They definitely edited the play, so it's yeah. very much about Prince Hal. Yeah, yeah. So the yeah, like just for context, it's a. It's got basically like this Henry the Fourth parts two part one has got essentially an A and a B plot. Right mm-hmm. or I mean two plots. I don't know if they're would they be well, yeah either. yeah. It's it's but, you have like, the plot of I don't know why I'm interrupting you. Yeah. You know this better than me. Well, there's so there <laughs> there's there's Prince Hal's journey right, and yeah. which is him just like goofing off in the tavern, and that's that can be played more seriously for last. I've seen like a I've seen a ver like I've seen clips from a version of um of like I think it was a Glow production where where Hal's played very much just like like a young idiot. Right, with not a lot of sophistication, he's just like a frat bro, essentially. Yeah. Fun fact about Hal, uh, in Wikipediaing this earlier, in real life, he was 16 at the time of the events in this oh, yeah. story. Yeah. 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 Uh, I mean, like, he's played by Tom Hiddleston in the Holocron one. Who's, like, uh, much older by that point, I think, right? Yeah. 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 And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's uh, fair. But he still looks young. He looks. He looks oh, young. yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it works. I, I don't think Shakespeare wrote him at 16 either, if yeah. I'm being honest. I, yeah. Yeah, with some of the stuff he does. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, so, then again, like Juliet's thirteen, so you know. Right. What? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the like the main plot in the Hall of Crown production is is Prince Hal him goofing off in the pub, and he's cheap and uh, and his uh, basically his relationship with Falstaff. Yeah. Right? And then the the other plot in this case is, is more of the B plot is is the actual like the big one right the one. Like that involves the whole country, like Harry Percy getting pissed off at uh, at Henry the Fourth, the king at the time, and essentially starting a rebellion. So, so here's the thing: because this particular edit yeah. kind of cut down on a lot of the Harry Percy stuff, yeah. and a lot of honestly, all the political machinations and all the important stuff yeah. were cut down, so that we could just hang out with Tom Hiddleston and yeah. Falstaff. Yeah. Uh, which is fine, uh, but also I didn't understand like half the context. Okay, yes. Yeah, so uh, so, so why is Harry per- Harry Percy's family helped get? Yes. Uh, okay. So this is Jeremy this- Iron, who is Henry the Fourth, yeah. into power. Yeah. And they're pissed off at him for just kind of ignoring them, I guess. Okay. And also, I don't I don't remember the exact details of the whole um, the Mortimer thing, but obviously brother in law. So his wife is pissed. 
Um, okay, so a little background. There's a whole thing with the Welsh Rebellion and then yeah. Mortimer, who's played by Harry Lord, Lloyd, a.k.a. Viserys Targaryen in Game of Thrones. Oh, is, oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm yeah. thinking back. Okay, yeah. Oh, I just, another random thing is actually I watched Batman Begins and I was like, that's, that's fucking. No, Joffrey's Joffrey. Joffrey. Yeah. yeah. Like, I remember the first few times I was watching, because I, I used to be way into Batman. Yeah. So I remember watching Game of Thrones the first few times and I just like couldn't take it seriously. Because that's like, the kid. That's the kid. That's the kid. He's an asshole now. <laughs> Any, so anyways, um. So yeah, that that whole thing. There's there's a bit of context about this whole ransom and prisoners thing, which might like from a modern perspective, it might not seem like a big deal. But so here's the background on that a little bit, which is that like like in more towards the Middle Ages, whether or knights and stuff, knights were fighting, and you had wars of like nobility with nobility. Yeah. Like knights didn't really want to kill each other. I mean, like people don't really want to die anyways. But it's like you have these huge armor suits, and it's hard to actually kill people. So more often they were taken prisoner, or they would allow themselves to be taken prisoner rather than killed. Yeah. And so, but the point of taking those people prisoner for the people doing so was to ransom them to get money, power, influence, etc. So that's why the prisoners part was actually kind of a big deal for like in the beginning, Harry Percy, like denies Henry the fourth his prisoners whether and you know there's some question of whether or not he actually did it or whether his story is real about um his story about he was just upset because some dude was like like just asked for his prisoners nonchalantly even the, when he was the one fighting for them so that that was the story he told the king like in the scene but there's also a question of whether or not he's actually just doing it to ransom for Mortimer essentially as an exchange for that but um, so that's that's why ransom is a big deal, and okay. people, people talk about, it. and that'll show up also like someone in Henry V, you know, anytime. Yeah, there's kind of like a war in medievalish England. The, the, that's where the idea of ransom, like the talk of ransom, comes through. Yeah, uh, I mean, you know, you see it occasionally in fiction. With uh, I mean, once again, I'm just gonna keep bringing up Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, just because I don't know it. There was there was, it. But there was ransom. Yeah, yeah, they ransom people all the time. That's why they. Keep, I mean, it's also hostages to make sure. Oh that right, right. The J- Jamie, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah there's yeah. Jamie. But like, even in the books, you're seeing like like one of the Carstarks as a prisoner at one point in Harrenhal, and like, right? Yeah. You know, there there are other things, and they often ransom a lot of these lesser guys. Right. Uh, it's, it seems they're, like they're less talked about, uh, but yeah, yeah. It's on the it's not that much on the TV or series, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's why you, yeah, I'm like, I didn't remember that, and I'm like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, Jamie. But yeah, books being different and more reflective, that so that makes sense. Um, uh, but also, you know, it's highly fictionalized and modern, modernized, so they don't really care as much about that. And a lot of times, yeah, because they're, like, they're held by sadistic people like the Boltons who end up killing them. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, because uh, yeah. Um, so the other bit of context is the it's like a you know it's kind of a spoiler for Richard the Second, but the the story of Richard the <gasps> Second. How dare you spoil history? <laughs> so the story of Richard the Second in Shakespeare is that. He's a king who kind of, like, doesn't give a fuck about anything. Yeah. He just kind of, um... He, he just... He's, he doesn't have very high EQ. He doesn't have very good... Or emotional intelligence. Yeah. And he's just like... He does whatever the fuck he wants, and and then uh, he likes to... There's talk of him being the player king who's, like, his personality is all about, like, doing things to show... To be, like... To be dramatic. It's kind of a drama queen type thing, right? So, um... He's a big old ham. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's very hammy. So Henry Bolingbroke, who 
is the he, he becomes Henry the Fourth. Yes. So Henry Bolingbroke, uh, he gets banished for some for a reason that he deems unjust. But then he comes back and usurps the throne from Richard II, and then obviously people have to help him do that. And he feels all guilty about it. He feels guilty he about it. Thinks about going and crusading, and yeah. then never does. But he yeah. keeps talking about it. There's all yeah. So there's there's a bit, this part I won't spoil. But like how Richard dies, he feels very guilty about, and I won't spoil exactly why. Okay. I feel like I kind of want to go back and watch these other holograms yeah. just yeah. for the whole epic story yeah. of it. Even though like it's it's skippable, but like it's it's like I would say. Like, I went, I kind of, the first time I watched it, I kind of, like, my eyes glazed over for Richard II. Uh, the review, because I went online, because this is kind of a weird person I am. Is yeah. Every, anytime I watch something, I want to immediately, like, look online for, like, reactions to... Oh, dude, I, I did it. I did the same, not for Holocaust, I mean, for Game yeah. of Thrones and Westworld, I'd definitely do that. So, yeah, you're... Oh, I'm you're, doing this for just every fucking yeah. thing, especially if I'm late to it. Yeah. As uh, I just, like, want to see whatever the contemporary reaction was. Yeah. Or, or something. So, like, I looked at the AV Club reviews. Yeah. I, I'm into those um, for the Holocaust series. Yeah. And, and I just, like, looked at the one for... Henry the Fourth, Part One, the one we're talking about, the one we watched. Yep. And one of the first things the reviewer said was that he preferred the Richard the Second they had just done. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. So he disagrees. With he you. disagrees. So it's interesting that. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. He might like. I got. I got. I got the vibe that this guy is their official. The AV Club's official Shakespeare guy. Yeah. So his perspective might be different than a lay audience member like me, basically. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not calling you like a lay person, but like maybe this guy. I mean, like, has, oh, is, on, is a little too much of a Shakespeare guy. Yeah. So he might not. You know. He yeah. He might be. He might. Yeah, he might have an eye for like consistency to the original, right? More so. Yeah, for example. For and maybe example. less for entertainment quality. Right. Also, right. is what right. I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so maybe yours is a better eye to be looking to sure, maybe. critically review this. I thing. mean, and you may feel different too. So, well, I mean, once until you watch it, we won't know, right? But yeah, for me, Richard II, my eyes kind of glazed over at it. Um, Henry the Fourth Part One, I enjoyed. Henry the Fourth Part Two, I don't even remember that much of because it doesn't seem like that much happened. And then Henry the Fifth, I was like, "Whoa, like this is what this can be." And, and actually, you know what? We should go. Like, I should also go back on my context of like my relationship with the, the general Shakespeare material. Yeah, which is that like I didn't get it when I when I, whenever I read it for school, I just totally did not like get why this was interesting and like it was hard to relate. Obviously, even with like the footnotes of what everything means, it's still mm -hmm. really difficult. But um, the first time I saw like an actual good production, I think the reference one was the um, the I think it's the Leo and Claire Danes uh, Romeo and Juliet. We watched that in English class. Yeah. yeah, and I was like, "This is really understandable," even though I don't actually understand all the words. I mean, I get what the fuck is happening. It's really obvious. And I was like, "Oh, it's clever. They use like the gun as the sword." Yeah, I, that's exactly what I was thinking yeah. about. Because I remember those guns looked so silly. Because I think they like wrote the names of the guns on the gun or something. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was just, because it was just so blatant. It was like yeah, but but it's also I mean that's also like the uh, you know the the humor scenes anyways. Like that's yeah. the funny part. Of the, that was a Baz Luhrmann movie, right? I don't remember anything else. About I think so. Actors. Yeah, yeah, because that those movies were I mean Baz Luhrmann's things. All his movies are yeah. like flamboyantly just like. Big to do's, yeah. I mean, Moulin Rouge, his version of the Great Gatsby, which also had Leo in it, okay. Yeah, um, 
I'm not a Boz Lerman fan. Okay, uh, sure, sure. I, I see his appeal. It's just not for me. I fucking hated that great Gatsby. That Romeo and Juliet, though, I think is the thing I've liked most by him. Okay, sure. But it's also so late 90s, and it's so over the top. And it's just <laughs> so ridiculous. And I don't know. It's weird, man. Sure. I mean, look. <laughs> like, I don't. I don't. It's fun. Yeah, uh, Orlando. Orlando Jones is in it, right? Is that his? I name? don't remember the guy. I think he plays Mercutio. Okay. Uh, I don't remember what what he looks like. So, okay. uh, so yeah, like that was kind of that was my first exposure to like how understandable it could be and why it would be good, essentially. Yeah. And then I think I just slow. It's think, not Shakespeare is not for English classes. Shakespeare really is not to be read. It's to be watched, to be performed, and watched. Yeah. And, um, it, because it, Shakespeare is something that changes based on the interpretation of yes. the director and the actors and the artists. Yeah. So just reading the plain text means nothing for yeah. it. Yeah, and also, like, like so, I mean, part of it is that he gives very little direction in the text. Exactly. Right? And another part, which I think is just standard for the time, and another part of it is that, like, I think, I think I, I don't know if I mentioned this theory to you, but, like, par, like, part of me thinks that maybe one of the reasons it's so great, like, Shakespeare's so highly regarded, is because it's been performed by the best actors and the best direct, directors in the world yeah. for, like, centuries. So, like, it's just uh, got this accumulation of, like, the best talent doing it. And it, it's, it's, it's definitely good, but also part of it, part of the goodness is probably because of that, too. It's a little bit of just, like, an artistic benchmark. So yeah. it's not necessarily that... Shakespeare is always great, but a lot of times it's a great way to display other, like the other, everything but the writing, uh, the creative skill of everyone else. Oh, that's interesting. And how they interpret Shakespeare and how they do it. Yeah. I don't know. I, that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's a good, yeah. Um, and I think it's just like a fun little, I don't know, it's a shorthand within the theater world. Yeah. Within, you know, literature and all that is Shakespeare. You know, it's not, I don't think, I don't know if he's necessarily, the best, but he's definitely always a standard, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. And then when he played well, it's, yeah, it's like, damn. <laughs> so, um, man, where did we get off on that? So, yeah, like, I... I <laughs> you were talking about... Yeah, uh, my, my, backer, my background. Yeah, you were talking yeah, about yeah. Romeo So, Julia. I've seen a couple of... Yeah, so, I've seen, like, uh, there's the Patrick Stewart Macbeth, which is really interesting. It's, uh, it's horror. It's like, it's like Stalinist horror. <laughs> Basically. So is is this one of the ones because that's a thing once again with all Shakespeare is that we've seen it so many times so we can just change the setting of it. So you said Stalinist. It's not explicit. It's not actually in Russia, but okay. Uh, it's it's heavily suggested. It's like it's a very. They definitely are like, oh yeah, you see that that that's that's from that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's very. They um they use like let's say like, the costumes of that era, for example. Oh yeah, no, like that's yeah. I don't know. You did. You, I forget. Did you do any theater in high school? Uh, not really, no. I'd say essentially no. Okay. Uh, so I did some theater in high school. Yeah. And one of the things was sophomore years, you do some Shakespeare, you do some Shakespeare in uh, theater at my, my high school. Yeah. And the thing is, is just like every single one you have to be like, oh, which fucking um, just genre is this going to be in? Is this, or not genre, or era? Like, what are we going to do? Is this going to be... Um, Shakespeare, but in 1930s Chicago, that's a big one. Okay. Uh, you know, stuff like that. It's, it's like, where are we going to set it? Yeah. Uh, so, for instance, I think we did we did Love Labor's Lost, which is one of his boring ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I won an award for it, no big deal. Uh, <laughs> it was a fake award. I won a book. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, we we did it like high school stare, like high school clicks. Yeah, I think. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I don't know. That made the costumes easy, at least. Yeah, yeah, it did. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was weird. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, it's. I mean, the setting is still. I mean, they don't change the text. Let's say right. So it's exactly. Still, yeah. They still talk about Scotland in, in this in the Patrick Stewart one, but again, costumes and like you 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 get the parallel pretty quickly. Like it's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Why this is why they made the comparison. Yeah. Um, I've seen like there's a couple others. There's a Coriolanus with uh, I think Ralph Fiennes. Uh, Ray Fiennes. Oh, yeah, Ray you Fiennes. don't pronounce the L. It's real weird. It's Ray Fiennes. I love Ray Fiennes. Ray Fiennes. Okay, yeah. yeah you know, it's it's the same guy you're thinking of. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, he's the new M in in the in Double Seven World. Uh, yes, that's one way of thinking of him. Yeah, yeah. you could have just said Voldemort. Or you oh, I don't know said, him from that because I don't. I haven't seen those movies. Uh, I mean, I, I personally have you seen Grand Budapest Hotel? No. Oh man, dude, that's that's uh, your reference for him. I think he, I think he got nominated for an Oscar for it. Okay, uh, it's a it's a Wes Anderson movie, and he's he plays this uh, matri not matri d. I don't know. Point is, he runs a hotel basically. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, he's great. Yeah, uh, <laughs> so yeah, he's uh, Ray Fiennes is the title role in Coriolanus, which is interesting. And there's the Gerard Butler as the uh, as the antagonist, or mm-hmm. it's like he's kind of the antagonist. Then I think I think Jessica Chastain plays Coriolanus's wife. Really? Yeah, that's interesting. And I forget. I love Jessica Chastain. There were the um. The mother is a really good actress. I just don't remember her name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, there's there was that. I've seen a couple of others. I've seen a couple live, right? I've, like here in Chicago at this at the theater. Oh, there's the um, there's the old Lawrence Fishburne Othello, uh, Ken Branagh. Uh, I've seen the Kenneth Branagh. Um, I've seen as much ado about nothing. Okay. Which is fun. It's got Michael Keaton as Dogtooth. I think his name is. I don't know that play very well. Oh, uh, yeah. or Dogberry. It's one of his comedies. Yeah. And Michael Keaton plays the. Real funny role. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, Ken Brana and Othello plays Iago. Actually, Lawrence oh, Fishburne okay. plays Othello. Um, that was that was that was cool. I mean, yeah, the, these are all much more understandable once you actually watch them. Yeah. And uh, the Othello is like he had like Ken Brana hams it up so well, and then it's like it's it's awesome. To- <laughs> so I've still never seen Othello actually. No. I, I, Othello and Macbeth are like the two big ones that I think I just like don't really have much of a basis for. Okay. I know in Macbeth uh, there's a whole thing and there's his wife and she and him are scheming against yeah. some guy whose name begins with a D. Duncan. Duncan. Yeah. Uh, yeah and it's super Scottish. Yeah. Uh, and I have a very vivid memory of watching like a 20 minute version of it at this Renaissance festival. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it was like really funny and great. I mean, Macbeth not supposed to be funny. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's the whole point of doing it in twenty minutes. It's yeah, going yeah, to be funny. It's going to be funny. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah uh, I, I don't have you, you have much more of a basis and knowledge. It sounds sure, like yeah. of Shakespeare than I do. Well, I just because uh, I've watched a bunch, you know, it's because it's it's yeah. If you want, if if it's done by good people, like it's it's good. You know, yeah. it's really good. I feel like sometimes there's a weird backlash against Shakespeare from people and you know what like i get it i get it look it is hoity-toity but act but you know like people try really hard to make it not that as well so yeah and i think it's 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 a fun place to like play around it's like you already have the structure we understand the structure yeah and now let's fuck with the structure 
now that we've got it. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's fun to me. Yeah. Like, I like anything where you can do that. Yeah. Is that you're kind of given guidelines, and now you got to play with the guy. Yeah, because you, you, like, if you were given just the script, right, like, and told to play one of these roles, you'd be like, what the fuck do I do? Yeah. And then you have to, you have to figure it out yourself. Because there's, there's no, like, there's no director's notes in that shit, no. as we're talking about. It's just very, it's like, and in fact, like, a lot of the, um, the web series I was talking about playing Shakespeare is like, how do you actually approach the text? Like, what are the hints in the text that actually kind of suggest what you should be doing? And like the famous one is, um, is the speech from Hamlet, right? Not mm. to be or not to be, but, um, it's like speak the speech that, that one. Okay. I would not be able, like, I, I know to be or not to be, yeah. uh, I'm not going to be able yeah. to know this. I, I mean, Hamlet, I know very bare bones. Yeah. I understand the Lion King beats of it. Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh, like, uh, <laughs> no, the speak the speech, it's, it's, um, in the play within the play of that. Yeah. He, um, uh, the part where he, he has... No, never mind. Keep going. So, so there's a, there's a play within a play part of it, and so there's there's actors, they're they're with within the Shakespeare's play within a play. so into plays within a play. Yeah, he loves that shit. Like every play he does has actors in it doing yeah. another play. Yeah, including the one we just saw. Including yeah yeah, but so he's uh he's tell he Hamlet's directing the actors about how he wants his. What yeah, because he's, he's trying to do it, uh, if I remember correctly, because this is one of the few things that isn't in Lion King that I know about Hamlet. Yeah. So this is, I just want to know if I get it right. Okay, good. So yeah, this, yeah. Is, this is the scene where he's like, hey, let's do a play for my king who's now married my, to my, oh, my mom. My uncle My father. uncle. Uncle father. Yeah. Uncle father. Yeah. Let's, let's do one, and it's about a king, and he's getting murdered the same way my father did. Yeah. Or at least the way my, the ghost of my father told me he yes. got murdered. And I'm just going to watch my uncle and see how he reacts. Yeah, yeah. And that's proof of guilt, right? Yeah, that's what he did. Yeah, yeah. Okay, that's cool. Right, right, right. So, I learned that from The Simpsons. Yeah, so he, he tells, uh, he, this is his speech that he gives to the players to, to tell them how to, you know, speak. Uh, you know, act the lines. It's yeah. like, speak the speech, I pray you, as I pronounce it to you, tripp trippingly on the tongue, but if you mouth it as many of your players do, I as leave the town cry, I spoke my lines. Nor do not saw the air too much with your hand, thus but use all gently, for in the very torn tempest, and as I may say, the whirlwind of passion, you must acquire and beget temperance that may give it smoothness, and so on and so forth. So he's like, that's kind of the one that's the the most uh, that people cite or that 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 series cited as like if you were to give like a, a spark notes of the general way to play Shakespeare that would be it yeah yeah and it's like they they open with it and then they close with it eventually I think okay in that series that's pretty cool yeah okay so like but yeah it's like you have to look for the hit the hints right it's yeah. like how does the iambic pentameter fall it's literally that how do the accents fall. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, if the accent falls a certain way, this is meant to be more, like, dramatic and really angry, right? And whereas if it's smoother, it's supposed to be this other way. It's, yeah, it's... Oh, that's I'm, very interesting. And I'm like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's, back to... It's, back, it's a great it's a great little view yeah. into the mind of great actors. Yeah. How it's like how... how did, Shakespeare. Because, yeah. like, it's, it's... Once again, it's just a shorthand that's, like, easy for... You know, I don't know. It's just like a baseline yeah, little and, thing that. And they mentioned a uh, test. I remember either watching or reading about Thor, and uh, somebody somebody had mentioned that Ken and Kenneth Branagh, the director. Thor one is is a Shakespeare play. Yeah, and then yeah. The, the other it was uh, Anthony Hopkins that they had a shorthand essentially, and maybe somebody else, maybe a third person. Oh, Tom. 
obviously. Yeah. Well, and it makes sense. Kenneth Branagh is famous for being the Hollywood Shakespeare guy. Yep. Uh, and Anthony Hopkins and Tom Hiddleston both have a history of yep. playing Shakespeare. I feel like Chris Hemsworth not so much. Yeah, that, that, uh, <laughs> that, that would be the odd person out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so I guess back to the <laughs> so where the fuck were we? So we we covered the uh, the A and B plots essentially. Yeah, uh, and they really they they really kind of like minimize the Harry Percy stuff. Yeah, and and the Henry the Fourth stuff. Is there he- more Henry the Fourth stuff? Because like Jeremy Irons. Oh right, the Henry Jeremy the Irons stuff. Right. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I actually don't know. Speaking that. of the Lion King, yeah, Scar himself, Jeremy Irons. Oh man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh man, I actually didn't realize that. Oh, so, you didn't? I didn't know. Oh, man, I he, I love Jeremy Irons, and I was watching this, and I because like he's so good at Scar, he's so yeah. good in a lot of things, and in this, I was just like he was good in this. Uh, you and, wanted more of him, and you wanted him to do more. Yeah, yeah, I was kind of not. You know, he he wasn't. He didn't. Even though he was the title role. He didn't really feel like enough of a character. Yeah, like uh, like the, that's the thing about Harry the Fourth. Those two plays, like the title role is not the main character. Yeah. It's definitely not. It's either like depending on your point of view, it's either Hal or Harry Percy or maybe Falstaff or like Falstaff isn't really. I think it's he's, Falstaff. He's not the main character. He's the central one. This one, right? Yeah. Falstaff is just like Shakespeare's, just like having fun with him. Yeah. Uh, like because he shows up in other plays that. Yes. Like the Merry Wives of Windsor, right? Just the uh, name, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think he's a character in Merry yeah, Wives yeah. of Windsor. Is it? I don't know if it's supposed to be the exact same person. That's okay, what it'd be, right? he's it, really he into this, like, this, this like comic relief character. Yeah, and I mean it's a thing that you call characters Falstaff, Falstaffian, or whatever. Uh, yeah, but yeah. I was gonna say the one thing I did find interesting about the Jeremy Irons performance yeah. is something that I managed to pick out while watching it. Is at the very end, and this is once again the kind of thing that like actors and directors interpret, as opposed to taking it directly from the text. Yeah. But there's the whole thing where, when they're talking about the terms of war and the terms of battle, yeah. where uh, Jeremy Irons' character starts to get sick and throw up, and it's never explicitly mentioned by any of the characters. Yeah. It's not in the text, but it's like a thing that his yeah. character is sick, and yeah. because that king was sick and dying or whatever yeah uh, historically and i guess it also alludes to things that happen later yes um presumably his death maybe i don't know i mean i mean it's his he he has to die eventually yeah yeah yeah, well considering there's a henry the fifth yeah 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 i would think so yeah (laughs) no henry the fourth is still alive uh, in henry the fifth (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah, sorry, we were saying about Falstaff. So he's sick, yeah, like, yeah. So I, okay, so yeah, the, um, I think, yeah, he's probably the more, the most interesting character in this, right? Like, yeah. Like Hal, Hal is very interesting too, right? And I think. I don't know how to, how I actually feel about Falstaff in this one. Okay. Because I feel like he straddled the line between comedy and tragic, and, like, he was just kind of pitiful in this one. Yeah. And at times so pitiful that it just wasn't funny. Yeah. <laughs> it was just like, oh, Hal's a dick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the, this year's, yeah, like, now, now, watching it years later, I'm like, Hal's kind of a dick, yeah. I, yeah. I agree with you now, because, like, I mean, part of it is just literally the political climate's changed, and I'm like, he's kind of a dick. Yeah, so, for the context to anybody listening, like, I don't know, at this point, you're so lost in context, but Falstaff is this fat, drunken knight. And, yep. and he's not a good knight. I mean, let's no. so like it's, <laughs> he's like this old dude, and then he, Prince Hal just keeps 
conning him. He just yeah. keeps making fun of him, and then he makes fun of him in front of all their friends, uh, and he just, like, goes out of his way to embarrass him. And then, and then Falstaff goes out of his way to worsen that by... Yes, by, like, by trying to pull cons that are... Yeah, that don't work at he, all. He does the whole thing where he like ruins his armor, his shield, <laughs> yeah. and his sword just to be like, "See, I fought off of these guys yeah, like very bravely." You, do you see how how hurt I am? And then and then, and then Br- Tom Hiddleston's like, "No, I was the guy who fought you. Yeah. You ran away." Yeah, <laughs> and the number like the the number inflation like that, that mm. that's that is a, like that's a fun scene. Yeah. Where yeah. where he's, he's just like, he's like oh of these two people and then like four came at us and, and I love who, what's the character name Poins I think his name in who, who just like he he and Hal are just like wait just let him speak he's yeah gonna yeah, make, yeah the, the he's other gonna, guy yeah, yeah. he's gonna get those numbers higher yeah, yeah I don't yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that that's a lot of fun so like yeah I, I yeah so at the time I I you know at the time I first watched it I would say the context is like maybe 2012, 2013. So right about the time this actually came out. Yeah, probably around then. I was like, I just enjoyed. It. I didn't. I didn't really think. I didn't really think about the other, you know, the ramifications of like, you know, like part of the fat shaming, for example. Uh, I had. I didn't really consider any of that. I don't stuff, think right? that really bothered me so much. It's yeah. just like there were times where I was like, you know, yeah. I don't think this has been. I don't know. But it's like it's one. It's yeah. one. It's one thing that would that contributes to like. That, that I have more aware for me that I'm more awareness now yeah. of that I'm like oh like in in my 2019 viewing this house kind of a dick it's just like one part of like why he's more of a dick now than when I perceived it earlier I mean I think it's more of just like this guy this Falstaff guy clearly reveres Hal he's clearly like oh I like this guy he kind of sees him as a son yeah uh, more than you know his actual father seems to see yeah. him as you know, Jeremy Irons is just like, hey, you, you're you fuck up. Kind of suck. Yeah. Why are you my son? I wish this guy. I wish Harry Percy were my son. I wish Harry Percy, this guy I want dead, was my son. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and, and so like it, it kind of sucks to like just watch. You know, uh, Prince Hal just keep being like, oh, uh, I'm gonna just con you and make you, make you just disrespect you in front of everybody. Uh, you know, uh, like it was enjoyable, but there would be little moments where I'd remember that and I'd go, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. you know. And that's actually, so I you're think. You're a bit of, uh, of an abusive friend. I don't know. If, <laughs> I think actually now that I think about it, I think that's actually intended. I think that's part of the direction intent now that I think about it. Because I didn't, yeah. I didn't catch it at the time, but now I'm like, yeah, like, like I did, I, I did. So the first time I did also think that Falstaff was both pitiful and comedic, right? I just didn't realize that like, I didn't I didn't put it together that like it's also tragic, yeah, because of how much he reveres Hal and like how that's the whole thing. So now I caught it. I'm like that seems intentional because you could obviously play Falstaff more complete, more comedic and less pitiful, yeah, right. You you could play him as more. Like he does roll with the punches, obviously, yeah. but you could probably play him as more rolling with the punches. Yeah, I mean the sense. music obviously doesn't goes a long way. Where he's like a lot of a couple of the scenes where it he's gets like, a little dramatic. Yeah, especially when it, he goes into the battle and he's like, "Honor, what is this thing? What is it? it's a word?" That was like my least favorite part of because it just doesn't translate so well to screen. Where when a character does a soliloquy and, then and he's doing straight a, at the camera, a voiceover narration. Yeah. Uh, 
Like, I'd almost prefer he broke the fourth wall and just, like, looked at the camera. There's a couple uh, of times where he does, though. Yeah, there yeah, are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I, like, yeah, I, I see what you mean. Like, he could have, yeah. Because it just felt, it to... feels cheesy. Yeah. Uh, and I get, I mean, that's the thing with doing a script that, well, number one, is meant for the stage. It was also, yeah. was performed 400-some years ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, that's the interesting thing about any sort of, uh, filmed production of Shakespeare, especially, yeah. I mean, a lot of the thing with Shakespeare in general is all the interesting stuff sort of happens off screen. Oh, yeah. Uh, as far as like battles and stuff go, uh, or off stage. Yeah, so, so you could put it on screen as part of it. Yeah, yeah and then like yeah. you get the battle scene, and that's kind of the cool part about yeah. seeing it in film yeah. is that you can have those battle scenes, uh, which you can't have on stage. Yeah. Uh, Although I, the uh, one of the Henry V's I see, I saw at Chicago mm-hmm. Shakespeare they um, for some of the battles they had the actors basically fighting the aisles so that's you, pretty cool. you're just like sitting there and you like there's just like swords clanking around and you just look around and it's like yeah that's really cool that's really cool. yeah it's a really cool idea so okay so for Falstaff actually that speech I I really enjoyed listening to it the first time I get why you say why you say it's cheesy. I just, I it's like just the, it, like I didn't think it was. It was just more of the way it was done. Yes, yeah, and, right. and the music's like swelling. It, it yeah, feels yeah, yeah. epic, and he's also kind of like honors dumb. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's Sandor gagging it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Talk, sure, yeah. Another Game of Thrones reference, yeah. just talking about how honor is, is yeah. pissing shit. It's all these nights. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah. I mean, I think that's. Um, I like the speech itself. I, I see what you mean by the. Um, by the implementation, the execution of yeah. it. Uh, but I think it also feeds into, like, the theme of the, the tragic character. Because he's, like, he is kind of smart. Like, he's smart enough to see that honors bullshit. Yeah. But two things. First, I he, did like that speech because of that. Because yeah. it was like, hey, this guy that Hal has been treating like an idiot, uh, he's having this, like, great speech where he is yeah. smarter than he's been acting half, yeah. the, half this movie. Yeah. yeah. But it's like... That's true, but you're also you're, I guess you're smart to realize that, the, that that's bullshit, but you're not smart enough to realize that you still have to play the game, yeah, right, and then you play it really poorly. <laughs> so it's like it's like it's just smart enough to be dangerous, right, yeah. type of thing, and it, it is like a little tragic, and also even like even if he were smart enough to like play the game, it's also like he hates it, right? So it's like he's a character that lives in the wrong time, so that's also a part of the tragedy of it too, yeah. It is true. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I, I loved his his end scene where he plays yeah. plays possum. Yeah, yeah, dude. And, and, then, and, and then and then and then he takes credit for Prince Hal's dude, kill. Yeah. And then he no, he like stares in the camera. And he's like, Valor. No, the better part of Valor is discretion. I'm like, I'm like, just and breaking the fourth wall, staying right at the camera. I'm like. <laughs> I'm, I'm like yes. he see because he's the comedic character, so I feel like it is interesting when he breaks the like. If any character is going to break the fourth wall, might as well be this dude. Yeah. Uh, but also now that I'm thinking about it, at the end, Prince Hal's like, we might as well just give him credit for that kill. You know what? That I think that's him being like, oh, I was a dick. Here's yeah. Something for you though. Yeah, yeah. Does. I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not clear about this either. Yeah, does he actually give credit to Falstaff? I, I that's not clear to you. I don't okay. remember exactly. I have to read the text really carefully. Yeah. Because I, I, I could, I see where you came with that, but I was like, wait, doesn't he not as well? Because, no, I, I'm trying to remember the exact phrasing, but he's hanging out with his brother, John. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, 
Uh, I, I feel proud that I managed to pick up on the fact that that character was his brother. Yeah. yeah. Uh, cause they pretty much are just like in that moment are like, Hey, this is his brother. My brother John. <laughs> yeah. My brother John. Literally. Uh, and, the, and they're sitting there clearly as brothers with whoever previous relationship, uh, which we haven't seen this whole production. Yeah. Basically. Um, uh, this is the strangest story I ever heard. Yeah. 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 And they have this moment where they walk past Falstaff. And then Hal's like, oh, just let him have this one. Yeah. He basically says something along the lines of that, of like, yeah. he, you know, this is the strangest story I've ever heard, but he is the strangest fellow I've ever met. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, th- those scenes are pretty, f- uh, yeah, those are enjoyable. Again, like him staring into the camera and, t- and being like, better part of allergy discretion. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that's where that comes from. First off, the first time I saw that, that's where it comes from. Is that a thing? Is that a thing people say? Yeah. People okay. say that. That's I've a, never that's heard that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The better part of Valor, people, they, they often caught the end. Oh. As in like, oh, I ran. I showed the better part of Valor. <laughs> the type of thing. Mm. Right. Uh, forgetting that the other part of that is kind of undercuts the whole statement. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's a great little little micro speech. Yeah, yeah. it's uh, yeah, and it's it's so funny. So, but yeah, he's like he's got both, and I think that's that's why his character is interesting is that he is both the tragic character and, and also a comedic character. Yeah, yeah, no, no like he's an interest, and then because I think that's one of the main things they wanted to center on. I guess well, the main thing they wanted to center on is kind of. Hal's relationship, I think, to these other characters. Yeah, it's like the two fathers, right? The two fathers and a little bit of the duality between him and Hotspur. Yeah, uh, yes. And Percy. His foils. Uh, just, yeah. yeah, and something interesting that I read from historical context-wise yeah. is Shakespeare deliberately made them foils because, in reality, they weren't really foils because uh, Hotspur was 23 years older than him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. In real life, they aged down the character. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, like, make them contemporaries. Yeah. Uh, instead of, you know, a 16-year-old and a fully grown man. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I was also, it was interesting to hear that this character was called Hotspur all the time. Yeah. Because I get, apparently, they, I mean, that's what the soccer team is named at. Football. Team. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tottenham. Yeah, yeah which is the only time I've ever heard of Hotspurs, and I was like, that's that's weird, but I, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. What did you... Um, okay, so so I'll talk really briefly about, yes, the two fathers part, which is that, like, Falstaff is this fuck-up, but he's the he's the more human one, like, the more yeah. humane one. Well... And then, because, he, because he's, like, he has no stakes. There's no stakes to Falstaff. Yeah. And then, but then the high stakes, I mean, the, uh, Henry, he's like, you're... You're such a you're such a like disgrace to the family and all this stuff. And I'm like, but the stakes are high there. Yeah. So it's like he he because he's like, oh, this guy's gonna succeed me. He's gonna carry yeah. out my name. He's gonna be the king. Yes. And then the other guy is just like, you know, anything you do, I'll just be proud of you. Because I mean, you've got royal blood in you, so yeah. like you're cool. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So it's like he's not allowed to have that with with uh, Henry the Fourth. So yeah. he has to go find it in, in Falstaff. <laughs> And, it, and yet it's still dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah. Um, so my question for you is like, what did you think of how 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 well did you think they pulled off um, Harry Percy being the foil? Because like when I saw that, and when I read, like I'm like the first time I saw that, I'm like I'm like this is a really interesting character. I like him a lot. Yeah. And then I read that he was sometimes seen as the more desirable of the two characters, and I'm like, I could see that he's like very classically masculine in, in a lot of ways. Yeah, he's very like that archetypal, and he's trying to do things for himself. And he's, I guess, 
my thing with this production is, well, first of all, or well, in any of the Harry Percy stuff in this, is like I had trouble following that plot a little bit. Okay. But being honest about, I, I texted you about this while I was watching yeah. it. About like 10, 15 minutes in, I turned on the subtitles and it got a lot easier to follow. Yeah. Um, just because like I couldn't, you know, always follow with the accents. Oh, the accents and, uh, are also, yeah, because he's got more of the uh, the northern English one, which is more towards like kind of almost Scottish and somewhat yeah, harder. That, that combined with like just any of them talking. And the yelliness uh, sometimes and like the, the, the reverb. Yeah. It makes it, it made it, yeah. It, it, I, I mean, obviously Shakespeare is meant to be performed, but like having the guidelines of being able to read it and that, and also hear them say it at the same yeah. time really like brought it home for me a little bit. Yeah. So I kind of missed a bunch of the stuff in the beginning yeah. uh, that I was just trying to figure out what the conflict was a little bit. Yeah. And so I got, I got it a little bit from this guy's acting. Yeah. Uh, and something I found out in researching this is, so the guy who played Harry Percy, the guy who played his father in this is his actual father. Oh, he's yeah. the actor's father. Uh, yeah. Uh, I didn't know that actually. That's, that's yeah. Cool I mean, I, I don't. I don't think I realized it in watching it because I couldn't figure out who his father was. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Which uh, of the two? Yeah, there's two people. I, I was just thing. like, oh, there are multiple old people talking yeah, to him. Yeah. The guy who plays Craster on Game of Thrones showed up at one point. All right. Yeah, as yeah. Uh, the Welsh guy, Glendower. Oh yeah, yeah. The the uh, the the overbearing, thunderous, like like he's he's very, I say, boastful. Yeah, and I had no idea what was going on. I just knew he was Welsh, I, and then he his daughter shows up, and she only speaks Welsh. Yeah, uh, that was yeah. That, like thinking about that, that was a weird scene. That was like it's almost a non sequitur for the rest of the movie because it has nothing, like almost nothing to do with the rest of it. Yeah, and then, I, I do. I do like that character, the the old Welsh dude, the, the Crasker guy, because um, I because I really enjoyed the wordplay between him and, and Percy. Uh yeah uh I don't know I like I found it interesting they definitely played up his, I think his a little bit of like his anger and his um he's just sharp, very sharp wit yeah yeah, yeah. um I, like I wasn't sure of too much of what was going on in that plot line uh to begin with yeah so most of what I like if I'm not sure of what's going on in the plot line it's hard for me to just follow Shakespearean dialogue yeah when I, like once again the first Shakespeare anything I've seen in like five years probably yeah uh um so i'm just like i was trying to reacclimate it to it um i found the actor's performance great and that's kind of what helped make him a foil to yeah uh the tom hiddleston character that and they very specifically had that moment where jeremy irons is just like Did oh they, were they switched at birth yeah yeah, yeah, where, yeah, yeah. Like, where they switched at birth I, I like i wish this guy was my son yeah he's so much cooler uh which is very interesting because he talks about him first and he's like, oh, I wish this guy were my son. He's so great. And then the next, the first scene you see him interact with this guy, he's just talking about how great he is. He fucking yells at him. Uh, and you ne- you haven't seen him interact with his fuck-up son yet. Yeah. So it's like he's yelling at this guy that he doesn't think is a fuck-up. And so that kind of threw me off a little bit because yeah. uh, I was just trying to figure out if I was following this plot correctly. Right, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I think the scene where the two of them fight, uh, where the two of them at being Hotspur, uh, Harry yeah, Percy yeah, and, and Prince Hal. Yeah. Uh, I think that's like a, a cool kind of, um, a little bit of a, uh, like that, that's a cool foil moment. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think of the three relationships, um, the, the three relationships being Hal and Falstaff, Hal and Hotspur and Hal and his father. Yeah. Um, I think the, the one between him and Hotspur 
is I think the least defined in this particular production. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think that's in general true because I don't think they have. That's the only scene they have together, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, I mean, that's the thing with foils, though, is that they can be going on a parallel path a little yeah. bit, and you see that a little bit. And um, I think that's part of the like that's the structure of the plot, which is like, you know, they're on a collision course, and it's like this is the moment now. Finally, yeah, they're fighting. You know, now it's like yeah. It's supposed to be like a kind of a great battle that they, or great duel or whatever that yeah. people would sing about. Uh, something yeah. interesting I saw in some of that battle scene yeah. is there was very much um, theater stage combat as yeah. a, uh, in some of the fighting as opposed to film stage combat. Oh, yeah? Please tell. Yeah, because I, I, I have no idea, dude. So, uh, for sure. It's not. For it's, sure. It's not, it. it's not like, I don't, I'm not an expert. But how did you tell? Yeah. But there's one scene. I mean, this is something that you would see, like, in film occasionally, but I just remember there was one moment where a guy stabs another guy, and it's just so, and it's, like, very much central on the screen. It's not an important moment. It's not written in. It's just, like, in the battle scene. Okay, yeah. And you just see the guy, and he very clearly just, like, he... Misses it, armpit stabs? Yeah, he very clearly, like, armpit stabs the guy and kills him. uh, Kills him. It's very clear that the guy dies, from this kill, but it's very much like the kind of thing you would see and you would forgive in a stage production, but in a film production, you're just like, no, that's not. Oh, where's the retractable sword? I'm yeah. supposed to believe this a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, that's the thing with Shakespeare in general. I feel like is a is it's is is it's not supposed to be a hundred percent realistic. That's yeah. why they're all talking in iambic pent- pentameter. Uh, and there's well, I mean, in it's Henry theatrical the, specifically. I mean, in Henry V, there's the muse, right? It's like, uh, well. I mean, the the intro with the muse is basically like small spoilers. It doesn't really matter, actually. Yeah, it's like literally the first thing that happens is like, oh, I mean, we kind of can't fit France on the stage. Uh, you have to forgive us. Use your imaginations a little bit, um, and uh, please imagine that when we speak of uh, um, speak of one man, that it's a thousand, something like that, right? It's, okay. That's that's the intro to Henry the Fifth. I, I like that about Shakespeare's. I think he does have kind of this meta awareness yeah. occasionally. And he he knows, I mean, he knows his production. I mean, that's the thing about stage productions, especially at that time in general. You're not necessarily trying to fool the audience. You're trying to entertain them. Yeah. Uh, but it's just the kind of thing that, you know, uh, it was interesting to see in these fight scenes that, uh, you know, it's not uh, whoever that guy is famous for all those Game of Thrones, like the Battle of Bastard. Director oh, Miguel, right uh, Sapo, Sapochnik, Sapochnik. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not. Know. It's not all gritty and realistic. It's yeah. kind of just more of a. Hey, we're actors. We're having a fun time. We're swinging swords swinging at swords each other. Each other. Oh, but, really, yeah. pay attention to the words. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's that's what I meant by that. I'm by okay. no means any okay. sort of expert in stage combat. Okay. I don't know. I've never done. I'm not trained in stage. Sure, I've sure. never done any of that. It's just as an audience member that was my uh, opinion. Okay, of it. fair. Yeah. yeah, I enjoyed the fact that they actually had like not just swords; they had pole arms like that. Cause I, I've also been watching like some of these. Uh, there's some YouTube channels that are about like historical European martial arts. They review like fight scenes or like battle scenes in certain movies or, or just media. And also, they just kind of review. They kind of theorize a little bit about how some. some how the battlefield kind of might have worked in, in those times based Could on... Could you send me some of these? Yeah, sure, yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's really interesting because, like, so, like, one of the... You just realize how many design elements are in certain things, like, like, poems or, like, like a cavalry saber, for example. Mm-hmm. One the one... That was one of the things that was, like, oh, I never realized. So they, they were, like, usually curved, right? 
they're curved in a certain way so that it's basically if you if you're trying to get somebody on on the horse on horseback and stab them, and then like as you ride through, it actually will pull out. Whereas if you design a certain other way, it might actually stick and you would lose your you would lose your sword. Interesting. And it's like little design elements like that. They talk about things like this and like maybe how, and they like they go into like sci-fi, right? So there's like there's a dude that like t- t- takes a look at Thanos's monster double-edged sword in uh in and helicopter blade. Yeah, the helicopter blade. And he's like, how do you know? Would that be practical? How, would a double-edged sword work? What? adjustments would you need to make and like there's a specific effect where it actually helicopters like how do they do that like how would you actually implement this mechanically stuff like that yes because like it has to actually spin around the yeah. Yeah, yeah stuff Fair like that, right? that yeah yeah have you have you heard the theory have we talked about this that the the helicopter blade in endgame is is supposed to be is there are people pretending it's an easter egg to the thanos copter i have no idea what that is the thanos copter uh, in an early Thanos appearance in the comic books, he flies away on a helicopter that is the Thanos copter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, comics are dumb sometimes. <laughs> but we forgive them because... Also, so Thanos, many. it took a while to build him up to be this huge badass. Yeah. Um, you know, he wasn't... At one point, he was just a dark side ripoff. Yeah. Uh, DC Comics supervillain uh, yeah. named Darkseid. Okay, yeah. Uh, who's a huge badass in kind of cooler than Thanos, but he hasn't had a cool movie to lift him up to be yep. as cool. Uh, so now Thanos is kind of cooler. So, yeah, you know, that happens in comic books is you rip off some character. Deadpool's a rip off character and he's way more famous than of uh, who Deathstroke. No idea. Yeah. Yeah. There's well, like, I feel like he's semi known, but he's a guy called Deathstroke, the Terminator. And they used to emphasize the Terminator part. Until the Terminator. Until the movie, movie The Terminator. Yeah. <laughs> and then they were like, oh, well, good thing we gave him two names. <laughs> uh, anyways, uh, back to Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Endgame detour. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Was there, what else there is there really to talk about this? I mean, anything else that, that stood out to you? I mean, it's Shakespeare. There's really not much in the way of uh, roles for women. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. I was like, um,. Yeah. Julie Walters is in it briefly as a nothing character. Yeah, I uh, also noticed that this time watching this time around yeah. watching it, I was like, oh, okay. I guess she's the main. I mean, she's the most famous woman in it. Uh, Molly play, Weasley in Harry Potter. She plays in this one. She plays the innkeeper, right? Yeah. Okay. I'm forgetting her name. See, see, that's the. Th- I don't know. That's the thing with Shakespeare. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, there's right. also Hotspur's wife. I feel like she gives off a somewhat interesting performance, yeah, yeah. even though she doesn't really matter to the plot that much. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, like, yeah. In in his dramas, yeah. The, like, actually, there's a couple. There's a couple women in his, in his dramas that yeah. are like really big roles. Uh, Lady Macbeth is a huge one. Oh yeah, I think. Uh, like, like, just. I mean, they're all. A lot of them are all are big roles, but like the ones that are like super central to the to the plot, Lady Macbeth, and then um, again Coriolanus's mother. I think I think it's Volumnia. Yeah, she's like so central to that plot. Um, I'm trying to think of what else, but yeah, that is a problem with his play. I mean, yeah, that's just Shakespeare in general, and it's like it's yeah. it's like the fifteen like sixty whatever the time period was. 1600s. Yeah, and I'm like, that's sad, but it is. Fortunately, it is what it is. Yeah, and then, I mean, there's also the whole thing about the time, like it was boys having to play those roles. Yeah, and yeah. So they, yeah. they probably wanted to give all these badass roles to the the grown men or whatever. I don't know. I mean, there's it's Shakespeare is, you know, with any old anything, yeah. uh, 
you know, just filled with sexism. Uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, yeah, as the scene with, with Harry Percy and his wife. And I was like, like, I didn't notice it the first time, but like now watching, I'm like, whoa, okay, yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. very sexist. Yeah. yeah, he's just like, no, you're going to do what I'm saying. I'm not even going to tell you anything because yeah. who knows if you'll betray me. Right, yeah. Uh, that's the one thing I picked up is that he's yelling at, like, I couldn't follow most of their conversation. Yeah. Uh, the one thing I picked up from their conversation was him being like, I'm not going to tell you shit even though you're my wife. Because I don't totally trust you, and that's how much I. Because I love you, and I do trust you when I'm on my horse and going away from you. Oh yeah, no, no. The, so the sexist part of that was like I don't trust you specifically because like you're a woman and you may you, you like you may spill your guts. Basically. Yeah. So that I was like I didn't notice the first time. I'm like, well, okay, yeah. And then they have massive PDA at one point. Oh yeah. Where he just like lie. There's yeah, the that's whole, right. That's right. <laughs> he just like lies down with her. Well, first of all, a servant walks in and she's basically naked, or some guy walks in to talk to Hotspur and she's yeah. basically naked and has to throw clothes on. And yeah. then there's the scene where they're hanging out with yeah, the with, Welsh people, and then they have the uh, yeah the Welsh daughters singing. Yeah. Uh, and he's basically why don't we just like fuck right now in front of everybody essentially that's what it seemed like basically <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just like we're, we're all hanging out around a fireplace let's just you and me lie down on this hard stone floor and uh <laughs> just uh just spoon <laughs> <laughs> it was real weird <laughs> yeah fucking Shakespeare <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> Oh, there's one part about um, Henry V, the the Kate part. There's a there's a scene in French, and um, they play it very straight in this one. Yeah. But on the stage production I wrote, it's played like very much for last, and like you won't get that in this one. But I'll once you've watched it, I'll explain to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, quick question, because Falstaff won't stop talking about how much he needs it. He keeps talking about how much he needs sack. That's wine. Okay, that's what I th- I thought it was yeah. booze. <laughs> yeah. But. It's just so weird that Falstaff just keeps going, ah, I love sack. Because, like, really, just need me some sack. Because, like, in 2019, you're like, what? What the fuck is sack? Like, you mean. Yeah, and then other characters start saying sack. Sack, yes. Just floating sack. And it's like, yeah, in 2019, you're like, what? Ball sack? What? Yeah, that's. That's what you think of, right? Like, I know, I know, just in context, that's not what they're talking about. I'm 90% certain they're talking about booze. Yeah. But just. You know, it's, just it's like, so what? weird. <laughs> yeah, they talk about capons a lot. I don't know what that is actually. I didn't, okay, yeah, that's one. Th- I'll, I'll Google it. Right that's now. that would be yeah. Uh, it's just the thing with Shakespearean language. Just there are things that are just outdated, right? Because like uh, the whole the first scene with Falstaff where where Hal walks in, he's like wakes him up. He's like, "What time of day?" It's like it's like, and he he's like goes on this. Uh, oh, it's a cockerel. Okay, yeah. But um, so it's a he, what? It's a cockerel. It's a here. It's a cockerel. It's a cockerel. It's a, it's a chicken of some sort. Oh! Oh, I knew that. I knew that. I know. Like, I did know that. It okay. sounds like I'm making it up. I did know that. Okay, fun. Like, I don't know. I, yeah. I've interacted with Shakespeare before, and I've, it's just in That's one of the, things you the recesses of yeah. my brain. It's in there. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that first scene where, essentially, that's like, that's that's exhibition of who Falstaff is, right? Where his, where Hal goes on and rent. It's like, what do you have to, like, demand the time of day? It's like, and he goes on this metaphor of like, if sack were blah, and it's like, it's all clock metaphors, right? And it's like, oh, okay, we're supposed to understand that that's the shit like Falstaff cares about, like booze, and then, but like, the, like probably like whores, yeah. And then the other stuff I just don't remember because like I don't know the, what the words mean. <laughs> yeah, that's the oh, excuse me, I just burped. Um, that's just one of the things. Yeah. The, yeah. 
Yeah, you just, Shakespeare. You would have to look that up to, under, to truly understand it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you get—I mean, I get the idea. He's like, uh, you're, 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 you're kind of a. Well, that's the thing is, it's, it's, it's you. You figure out what they mean through performances. Yes, and you don't necessarily need to know what every word means exactly, in Shakespeare yeah. to know what's going on. Yeah. Um, and that's what that's that's how you know a performance is good is you know what's going on if you, even if you don't understand literally everything. Yeah. 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 What would you give uh, Hollow Crown, Henry the Fourth, Part One? Uh, how would you grade it? Oh man, I think. Let's see, I'd say like it's a seven. It's a seven yeah. out of ten. Yeah, I think that's accurate. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say a B, and I feel like that doesn't totally translate, but I think that's the same. That's thing. that's yeah. It's not not on like a a grade school scale. Is that the same thing? But I think you know, right? Yeah, the same thing. yeah. Yeah, maybe a B minus. Yeah, I, I, I think it. I think uh, like I've read some reviews of like people reviewing all of his plays. Yeah. And I think Henry the Fourth Part One rates really highly. H- higher than Henry the Fifth, but I think in this particular production, I, I much prefer Henry the Fifth. Do you have a preferred Shakespeare play? I I can't really say, man. There's so many. Yeah. It's like because also the production is very so much, right? Yeah. So it's like what how do you judge it? For That's one, a very good point. Yeah. Like one of my favorite pr- productions was RSC's Hamlet with David Tennant as Hamlet. Okay. Because that was the first time I saw that the, I saw that role played that way and i'm like so hamlet's like a, an emo teenager who's way too smart and he's just like runs circles around other people but he's like you know he's like he's trying to not be understood but also trying to be understood yeah he's a little edgy team yeah that was me and i'm like dude that was me holy fuck <laughs> i was like that's the first time i felt truly represented in media yeah. i was like holy fuck like yeah that was me when i was a teen and so that I still, yeah, that's the one I like the most because of is that. that your, is that your favorite production? Production, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. I was just curious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what about you? Have you, do you have a favorite? Of I don't, I don't know. I was just asking you those things because yeah. you seem to know more. <laughs> I, I don't know if I have a favorite. I don't know. I like the idea of King Lear. I think that's a, I like the idea of it. We read it in high school. Yeah. I don't think I totally understood it at the time, yeah. but I like the idea of it. I've seen. Uh, I've seen I, two... I like the idea of that character. Yeah, and that. I don't know. I, seen... I like downfalls. Have you seen? You've seen. Uh, I think Ron Kurosawa. Oh no! But I hear good things. It's like it's essentially King Lear. Okay. It's very. It, I like. Uh, I like some of his comedies. It's so. very. It's very close to not it. Kurosawa's comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, does Kurosawa have comedies? Oh yeah, you know the great comedy. Um, I'm just trying to think of a random. Uh, Kurosawa movie, and as a fan of him, I'm, I'm letting myself. You know how hilarious Rashomon is. <laughs> so uh, you know. funny. Oh yeah. So actually, funny. you know what? The climax of that movie is kind of funny. It's one of my favorite oh, movie. Dude, I don't think I've ever, I don't fight think, scenes. I don't think that we ever got to that. Uh, I might have. Like, so we watched it, and you've never seen Rashomon? I've seen parts of it because mm. in high school we we reviewed it as as part of a we we studied film in like yeah. the gift and talent class right yeah 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 so we reviewed parts of it i don't remember i don't think i've seen it like all the way through front so i've probably seen the climax i just didn't have the like, cuz it was split up so i didn't have the full context uh so you know I, I i have trouble saying any single movie is my favorite movie yeah. uh the part of me that is a film nerd hipster uh says rashomon is his favorite movie okay yeah uh just cuz i love I love stories that are about perspective yeah, in yeah. general and point of view. And that's yeah. what the, I mean, you call those kind of stories uh, like that's like an archetype in TV shows and sitcoms 
is like, oh, this is a Rashomon like story. Yeah, there's like uh, the Punisher episode randomly that was like that. Ooh, is that in the new season? No, no, the first season. Okay, yeah. Once again, I don't remember the first season. It's the, it's the one. It. It's the one where the uh, the the crazy guy takes people hostage. Okay, yeah. Uh, that sounds like a plot to a Punisher story. Yeah, that's for sure. I mean, like, I've read it in comics. Now that you're saying that, is uh, there's a really good run of the Incredible Hulk going on right now yeah. called the Immortal Hulk. Yeah, it's a whole story. It's basically a horror story. Okay, yeah. Uh, and the whole story is just like. The Hulk can't die. Yeah. But anyways, there's an issue of it where it's like four different... Uh, a news reporter is following the Hulk. Yeah. And they, they meet four different witnesses to a crime. And all four of them are speaking about how the Hulk came. And and it's all in different things. I don't know. But the point is, this fight scene in Rashomon... I feel like I pimped myself out to talk about Rashomon. Because yeah. uh, <laughs> I was the one who mentioned it first. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, again, I see parts of it. I just don't... I don't have... Yeah, I don't have the full context of seeing it front to back in one sitting, right? I just, like, we reviewed it and we talked about it as we were watching it, and I was like, okay, yeah, okay, I, I understand. I understand that it is, like, about perspective, yeah. and it's very much so. But, um, yeah, like, I didn't, I don't remember it because I don't have that experience of it, like, the, like that. The fight scene I love in it, um, I feel like it's not... It's not a spoiler. It's yeah, fun. it's not really a spoiler. Yeah, so it is, you know, so the idea is it's the one guy who, who purports to have seen the whole event happen. Yeah. Uh, the the one guy who didn't speak up during the trial, uh, he's just the guy hanging out at Rashomon with these other guys, Rashomon being the hotel or whatever they're okay, hanging yeah. out at. Uh, and he's like, this is what I saw happen. And so this whole time, the bandit, the samurai, everybody was talking about this glorious fight that happened. And so he says, no, that's not the fight I saw at all. Oh, the yeah, woman much... kind of, okay, yeah. the hostage, she pimped them out into having to fight over her honor. And neither of them really wanted to fight. And it's these two guys oh, who don't want to die. Yes. And they're, they yes. have to fight against each other because of honor. And they're, it's the sloppiest. They're both, they're both tripping over themselves. The entire fight, like, it's not glorious. It's just like an ugly little uh, thing with just two guys yeah. bearing swords at each other. And one just happens to fall at the wrong time. And it's, it's so enjoyable. And it's also kind of funny. Uh, like, it's sad, but it's also just, it's kind of funny because they're both so such they're both so pathetic both the men and the fight are yeah, so yeah. pathetic uh okay, you jog my memory i do remember that yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, i do remember that now uh if you ever want to borrow it uh i i own it on criterion collection oh nice <laughs> i own two movies on criterion collection rashomon and, and night of the hunter great movie okay great movie okay. Uh, don't know that one but yeah, yeah. so um so this was caused by a tangent on king lear mm -hmm. okay so uh, first, let me explain why that was a tangent because Ron is very much, very much King Lear. Yeah, it's very much he's playing. Well, just like my own private Idaho is uh, Henry the Fourth, Part One. one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, keep going. He's, yeah, he's splitting his empire between his sons, type of thing, right? Yeah. So um, I've seen a couple of, uh, I've seen like two productions of Lear, and uh, I've seen, like, I mean, he, again, you know, when you see it, you're like, oh yeah, I get what this is about. So um, I, there's one that was on Netflix. I don't know if it still is. Ian McKellen plays Lear. And then uh, that there's, sounds dope. Yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, there's a there's a there were the other one was here Chicago Shakespeare, which was I mean it was basically like the, the idea was King Lear loves Frank Sinatra, but it plays in his head as a sign of uh, he's going crazy. Hmm. So my thing is, I've actually I said it, 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 it the idea of King Lear is yeah. one of my favorites. I've actually never seen it. We read it in high school, yeah. and I just love the plot idea of it of this. 
uh, you know, of like, what's your impression of it? Yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, the idea of this father, this this man in power, slowly losing it because he knows he's losing yeah. it, um, and and his relationships with his children, with yeah. his daughters, and how he kind of sees sees the one daughter who's actually his yeah, daughter, the, the who's daughter, yeah. truest. You know, is the one that he he for forsakes or whatever. Yeah. He, does he? I'm forgetting. Does he? He realize that at some point that she was the one. Yeah, that I think was like the best point. one, but it's too late at that point. Yeah, it definitely is too yeah. late at that point. Spoilers. Uh, <laughs> there's but, a comedy Bang Bang episode, uh, the TV show, not the podcast, yeah. where they do a King Lear. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Because the the thing with that TV show is they do every episode. There's some gimmick with it. Yeah. Um, and so that one is a King Lear episode. Dude, yeah. That um, when you see it on when you watch the production of it, it's like. It stands out how brutal it is. It's like, like, of the, probably of the, um, of the Shakespeare scene, that's probably the closest to Game of Thrones, like, yeah. level brutality. I think it's that's so, why I like it. It's so yes. brutal. I'm like, oh my god, dude. And they, I'm forgetting. It's like humanity's its worst, basically, yeah. yeah. Like, he, he goes blind and, like, gets exiled or something. No, uh, he doesn't go blind. Or am I con- dude, they, starting confused Dude, they, they, they blind the fool. <laughs> Oh, okay. and either blind the floor, or they or they hang him, or uh, dude, like some. No, no, I have a very scattered recollection yeah, of what happened. I'm somewhat him. scattered yeah. too. I remember they, they, I think they hang the fool. Okay, who does? Who basically does nothing but like, yeah, he just like very Game of Thrones. And then uh, they blind somebody. I think one of his uh, one of uh, Lear's supporters. They exile Lear, and he just like wandering the countryside with fucking nothing. Yeah, and then um, basically one of the um, I think Edmund. The um the, the the rifle son of one of the uh one is he of, the the guy who's like because there's one guy in there who's a sadistic bastard there, that's Edward I think that okay there's Edward and Edmund Edward's the actual is actually bastard and he's he's not as sadistic I don't think but he's very Machiavellian right yeah I think yeah. Edmund's the rifle son and he's like there's a scene in in um in in the movie production of the McCallan right it was like. He was crawling around the countryside like like Gollum or something, right? But he's like sure off, like he's basically in his underwear. He's like crawling around, and I'm like, this is so brutal, man. It's like wow. Then, then there's rain. He's like just out in the rain. Yeah. It's like man, this is, <laughs> man, people suck. That's what I like about yeah. it. It's just <laughs> like the. It seems to me to be the darkest. Shakespeare one, and I, so the other ones I like like are Much Ado About Nothing and Midsummer Century, yeah, which are just light, right? Which are very yeah. light. Uh, I I helped direct part of Midsummer Night yeah. Dream in middle school. Oh, yeah, I directed the play within a play. Oh, well, but I directed the act. There is a character in there who is the director. Okay, yeah, kind of. You were the director. I was. We inside. No, no I were, was. So there's we had three directors for this production okay, of yeah. Midsummer Night Dream, and we each took a certain part. Uh, we were all off-stage directors. We okay. were actually di- directing the production, so I got to take the more comedic characters. Okay. Uh, okay. Uh, the the ones who are doing the actors within the play. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I directed them in their little misadventures. I see. Uh, there was another one who there was one person who directed like the main four people: uh, the Hermia, Helena, uh, Demetrius, and the other guy, uh, Lysander. Boom. Uh, oh, uh, and then there was somebody else who directed the fairies. Uh, okay, yeah, I don't know. Uh, I like Midsummer it, just because it's a weird one and it's it's funky. It's it's just like it's a good time. I know that's it's a it's a. I need to see it because I know it's like one like 
one of the most done comedies. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should see... Uh, I really like the Kenneth Branagh Much Ado About Nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got Kenneth Branagh, who I think is a fun actor, if a bit of full of himself. But I think Shakespearean actors have a little bit of ego, and that's part of the yeah, enjoyment of it them. Comes, yeah, it comes with it, yeah. Uh, and he's, he's playing funny. off Emma Thompson, okay. who's a fucking treasure. Emma Thompson's great. Uh, it's him, Michael Keaton playing a goofy role. Denzel Washington's in it. Uh, the one bad part of this movie in... We were talking at the beginning of this podcast about Keanu Reeves because we were talking about my own private Idaho, which I haven't seen. Okay. Uh, Keanu Reeves is in Much Ado About Nothing, and it's one of his worst roles. Okay. It's, it's you know how we used to not always love Keanu Reeves because nowadays the internet's obsessed with him. Yeah. And he's perfect. Okay. Yeah. This is one of the reasons we don't like we didn't like Keanu Reeves back in the day, just as okay. a as society, just because like it was him in a role he shouldn't be in. He's just can't act. He can't do an accent. Uh, he's so flat, it's just wrong for him. Okay. I think that and Bram Stoker's Dracula, Keanu Reeves, are the two worst Keanu Reeves. Okay. Uh, but also, Joss Whedon did a production of Much Ado About Nothing. Uh, it was basically, he was exhausted from directing Avengers. <laughs> Ultron, or the first uh, one? The first one. First one. Okay. Uh, and so it came out, like, a couple months after the Avengers came out, yeah. or before, I forget, but he filmed it in one weekend just for fun at, like, his house or whatever. He just had a bunch of friends come over. Uh, I know Nathan Fillion's in it, Uh. playing the same role Michael Keaton did. Mm -hmm. And then there's other people in it. It's mostly smaller actors, but it's, like, the kind of actors who were in a lot of his TV shows and stuff. Uh, And it's a fun time. It's all in black and white. Yeah. Uh, That's very cool. Like, that says a lot about what kind of play it is, because you can do it in the weekend. It's just just a good time. It's it's a good time. And it's, like, fairly well done, considering they did it in, like, a weekend. Yep. Uh, it was just it was just Joss Whedon just like stretching his legs, doing something a little bit more. He's something he can have fun with in a different way than he had fun. Like because Avengers is all giant and corporate. And yeah. Doesn't have. I mean that's why Ultron really burnt him out. Yeah. Um, you know. Uh, Save the farmhouse. Yeah. Hashtag. Man, much ado about nothing is is a fun time. Cool. I recommend it. Cool. Uh, yeah. 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 Like. What else is there to talk about? I don't know, man. I I think uh, we've been talking a while. I think this is is the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, If you haven't watched The Hollow Crown, uh, Henry IV, Part 1, I watched it for $2 on Amazon. Uh, I don't... It might be on Prime. I don't don't know. I don't have Prime. I paid two bucks. But uh, watch it. It it was worth the $2. I thought it was was good. Uh, watch more Shakespeare. Yeah. Do you have anything to plug? Um, not really. Things are still in, things that I may be involved in in the future are still kind of like in in development. It's all, all in flux. It's in development. Like I have an ambient pedal board, so you may see me doing ambient music or loop or live looping music Ooh. at some point, or ambient live looping. Boom. Fancy. Um, but that's it's all in development, so I don't have anything that's like very concrete at the moment. So, um, yeah, and actually, the final Simply Sugar show will be this week, so this might not even come out by then, so it won't matter. All right. Yeah. Cool. All right, yeah. All right. Yeah, for Miko and Zach, signing off. Bye. Later.